Well, I'm Pastor David Robinson Emeritus. Whatever Emeritus means, that's what I am. I, <laughs> David says you don't want to know, so. <laughs> uh, I love this time of year, not because of the weather. I like warmth, especially as I get older, I, I like warmth. Because when I get cold, things don't move. But this time of the year, we have the opportunity to celebrate the birth of Jesus, which didn't happen in December. In fact, much of the Christmas story that we celebrate didn't happen. It, uh, it came from traditions and things that were added as time went on. So, the manger scene. If you uh, go to a store and you want to buy a manger scene, they have all different sizes and shapes and all kinds of stuff. But typically what you have is this little bit of a shack. Try over here. And in, underneath the shack, you have a lamb laying on the ground and a cow chewing the cud and a donkey somewhere and a camel here there and and uh, you have a wooden trough and you have shepherds that are there then you have these three wise men three kings they call them well let's get our eraser out no shack instead a cave you see, if you go to Israel, you're going to find out they don't have a lot of wood. Wood is a premium, but they have lots of rock. There's rock everywhere. And so it wasn't on this nice little barn. It was a cave. There weren't three kings from Orient R. They didn't show up till two years later. They were called the Magi. Magi had a very special and important part in the East where they were from. They were the ones who confirmed kings. Without their seal of approval, no one could become a king. Very interesting, isn't it? Because Jesus was born what? King of kings and Lord of lords. If you don't know that, go hear the Messiah. King of kings forever and ever. He was born king of kings. And the Jews who he came to did not recognize him as king. But the Magi did. Why? Because Daniel, during the time of Babylon, became the chief of the Magi. And he told them, that their star would appear, and when it did, that would signify the birth of Jesus, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Years later, that star appeared, and they followed it all the way to where Jesus was, not 
in a manger some two years later by the time they got there. There weren't three of them. There was a host of them. Could have been 80, could have been 100. But it was no small thing. And they came in caravans that were so big, Herod got scared really bad when they showed up. Because you see, in the past, Babylon and had conquered them. So when people came from the east and big, and they probably had an army with them as well to protect the Magi, he about wet his pants. That doesn't say that in Scripture. There is a place in Scripture where it does say somebody wet their pants. You go find it. But he was scared. He was frightened. Didn't happen at the birth of Jesus. There was no star over the place where the manger lay, but there was a star. It signified the birth of Jesus. And the shepherds, who were not allowed to testify in court because of their character, they were not considered truthful or credible. So who did Jesus, who did God choose to witness the birth of Jesus Christ? Shepherds. <laughs> and when they told everybody that Jesus was born, the Messiah had come, people said they'd been drinking their bath water. They didn't, they didn't believe him. It wasn't the same thing we think of, that nice wooden manger with hay and so forth was a stone manger. We saw them when we were over there, remember that? It was a different picture than what we see. Also, when you see that manger, you see Mary, somewhere in her early 20s. And Joseph, a little bit older, and supposed to be wiser, you know. Well, that wasn't the case either. Mary could have been as young as 12, but most likely between 14 and 15 years old. Different than our society. But in those days, a boy became a man at age 13. And that's when he could marry. At age 13, he could marry. He was eligible as a man, could wear the phylacteries on his head and on his wrist, which signified he was a man. So Joseph was probably somewhere between 17 and 18. We don't have any evidence in scripture of his age, only what the culture was at the time. And we know that Mary was a virgin, a young woman. In that society, being chaste, being a virgin, was very, very important. And when they were betrothed to marriage and they got married, they had to prove that she was a virgin. And they had a way of doing that. You can read up on it. It's on the PG-13 level. But they had a way of telling. 
And in those days, that was very, very, very important. So important that you could be killed, literally, for having premarital sex as a young woman. Another thing about the Christmas story is that it was foretold some 700 years earlier. The prophet Isaiah said, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So what do we find out? We find out that this wasn't a happenstance. This was a predetermined plan of God that when the time was right, he would come, Jesus would come to be born of a virgin. Now, we get into the complications of the time in society at that time. If Mary was 14 to 16 years old, something like that, and an angel appears to her and says, you who are highly favored, and highly favored is correct because there's only one mother of Jesus, only one who was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and who conceived the son of the living God, only one, Mary, who was highly favored. Now, if she knew the scriptures well enough, she would have known that it was prophesied that a virgin would conceive and bear a son. However, it's not like it was, not like it is today, where scriptures were so plentiful, where you could have four or five Bibles, different translations, all that kind of stuff. No, the scripture was so holy and had to be handwritten by scribes who could not make a mistake. So that if they made a mistake, they had to throw out that part of the scroll that was, had a mistake in it. So they, there wasn't a lot of scriptures. Second of all, young girls weren't taught the scriptures like the boys were. So we don't know if she knew. We knew she had this experience with an angel. Now she has this wonderful thing that happened and she knows this from God because an angel was sent to her. She had to be excited about all that. But how do you tell your engaged partner that you're pregnant and it wasn't him? First of all, Joseph knew it wasn't him because there were strict laws regarding a male taking advantage of a female. And he knew that he didn't have sex with her. So when she comes to Joseph and says, honey, surprise. She didn't say that, but it was a surprise to him. 
And it had to break his heart because you see, they're young people. And one of the things that you look forward to was getting married. That was a big thing to find a husband, find a wife. Most of the time they were prearranged marriage. marriage. And uh, you look forward to it. If you've ever watched Fiddle on the Roof, matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match, find me a catch. The girls all look forward to finding a husband. Of course, the mothers were, you know, oi bang. They definitely want to have their child married, want them to be happily married. Marriage was a little different then. It wasn't, I fell in love with you. It was, here is your parents' choice for you. Now, love your wife. Love your husband. Bible says, let the older women teach the younger women how to love their husbands. It was something that was taught and it was expected. It wasn't falling in love. It was a choice. Very interesting. Chosen to love. So that's the way it was. And there's all those hopes, all those dreams during that engagement period. In fact, that engagement was so important that if they were to break an engagement, it caused them to have to write a bill of divorcement. Have you heard of that one yet? If you get engaged, you got to get divorced from it? No. A lot less engagement rings around, I'll tell you that right now. No, but that's what it was. That's how powerful that commitment was. So Joseph's heart had to be broken. And in the worst possible way, he had to wonder what in the world happened. And Mary tried to explain to him, an angel appeared to me. That happens every day. That's a good one. That one I hadn't heard before. I've heard the dog ate the homework, but I've never heard that an angel came. Tell your teacher, well, I was going to do my homework, but an angel appeared to me. That's a big one. That's hard to swallow. Heartbroken. But he'd already fallen in love with her. He already chose to love this one who was given to him, betrothed to him. Just like we're betrothed, betrothed to Christ, and Christ loves us before the marriage happens. So he had this terrible thing going on. And she had this terrible thing going on. Because you see, it wasn't just a shame to be without a husband and pregnant. It could be deadly. The way the rules were. So he had a problem. There was great shame if you were pregnant. So Mary was facing a very hard 
situation. Told by God she was going to conceive and have a child. Society says you can't have a child out of wedlock. So Joseph had to struggle. I'm sure he talked to his dad. Dad, what are we going to do, Mike? My fiance says she's with child, and I didn't do it. We don't know what counsel Joseph's father gave to him. I have no idea what was going on, but there had to be some real struggle and some real things going on there. And then while Joseph's sleeping, he gets an angelic appearance. Joseph. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For she has been chosen by God. And she'll conceive and have a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Emmanuel, God is with us. Well, that sold Joseph. Now, how do they tell their relatives and friends about well, she came up with this angel story, so I came up with the one too. That's you know that's what they're going to say, Uncle Je Uncle John, Uncle Abraham, or Uncle whoever he is. Sure, that's a good one. So you both had angelic appearances. There are going to be people who are going to be a little suspicious, but Joseph, not wanting Mary to have shame, sent her away to her cousin Elizabeth. This is where the story gets very interesting. Because it just wasn't an incident that happened. It was a plan of God from the very beginning. Found in Genesis at the very beginning. It's prophesied that Jesus would be born. And so this is a plan of God all the way through. And it gets very interesting. The cousin of Mary was Elizabeth. Elizabeth was the wife of Zechariah. Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist. Zechariah was a priest who waited his entire lifetime for the opportunity to minister in the Holy of Holies. Zechariah is an important person. Because he was of the family of Zadok. Do you know who Zadok is? He was in the family of Levites who did not defile or do anything wrong, but kept pure when other Levites did. So that when you come to Ezekiel, and he, they talk about the new millennial temple. It's the family of Zadok 
who will minister before the Lord, while the other Levites, who had been impure, will have other duties. The direct descendant is Zechariah, who ministers before the Lord, as told about John the Baptist, who also was chosen before he was born to do what he did. An interesting story, isn't it? John the Baptist was chosen before he was born. Baby John, you're going to be baptizing people. I don't want to. <laughs> there was no choice in the matter. He was, and he had the desire, and he grew up. You read about John the Baptist, a very interesting person. It is believed that John the Baptist spent time with the Essenes. The Essenes were directly related to Zadok, the ones who kept pure of all things. It all is in the scripture, and it's all interconnected in a way that you couldn't make up. And most people, because they don't know the Bible well enough, have no idea of all the connections that are there. No idea. The birth of Jesus wasn't just some occurrence. It was planned and carried out under the direction of God with all these interchanging pieces to make sure it was holy, pure, undefiled, and perfect. So Joseph and Mary were part of a larger story, a larger thing that was going to happen. Prophesied that Jesus would go to Egypt long before he did. What happened? Magi come, and they say to Herod, we're here. This is a good one. Herod's good, you know. To worship the king of the Jews. <coughs> Herod thinking, well, I'm kind of the one in charge of the Jews here. He had killed people, done all kinds of stuff to make sure he got where he was and hold on to the power that he had. He was a really horrible, horrible person. Read about him. I don't have time to go into it all. He says to, after calling his chief priests and scribes and Pharisees and says, what is this? They say, oh yeah, actually there is a prophecy that a child will come out of Bethlehem, house of bread. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. Jesus said, I am the bread. <laughs> These all interchange. It's unbelievable how many connections there are. Jesus was born in the house of bread because he was the bread of life. <laughs> and so Herod says, you know, very cunningly, I tell you what, when you find this king, come and tell me so that I can go worship him too. Ha, ha, ha. 
And the Magi go, and guess what happens? They have an angelic messenger. <laughs> Angels are <clears throat> messengers sent from God. And they tell them, don't go back. And so this huge caravan, wouldn't have been anything easy, left without ever telling Herod. Herod panics. He sends out a decree that anybody born within the last two years, when did the Magi get there approximately? Two years after the birth of Christ. Anybody born in the last two years, any male child, execute them. Mass murder. Nice guy, right? But Joseph, being warned in a dream, was told to take his family to Egypt. Okay, that was an unplanned tour, unplanned by Mary and Joseph, planned by God. And how were they going to support themselves in a land that they had no connections or anything else with? And the Magi came bearing gifts of, come on, folks, you know, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, all very valuable things. So what did Mary and Joseph add? Supplied by God with gold, frankincense, and myrrh, delivered by the Magi, who were the authorities on kings, <coughs> who confirmed Jesus Christ as king of the Jews. This story is interesting, isn't it? More than just a simple silent night. Mm -hmm. Probably wasn't very silent. When a baby's born, they don't usually just go, goo, 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 goo. They usually come out screaming, right? They don't stop till about 14. <laughs> so there you have the true story of Christmas, where a little girl, girl, we can't even fathom it today. Think of a 14-year-old girl being married to a 16 or 17-year-old, what, what are the chances of that surviving? Ask Jerry Lee Lewis. No, I'm sorry. That was very bad. But we, would, we are disgusted by that when we think of a 14-year-old being taken in marriage Mary was a little girl, basically, a young girl, very young girl. Joseph was a very young man. But what did they have? The plan of God, chosen before the foundation of the world, that it would all come together in a way that starts clear back in Genesis with a promise and follows on through with Isaiah saying it would be a young virgin 
will bear a son all the way through the Magi coming. The escape to Egypt. The provision God provides for them. And Jesus is born in the house of bread. They have a place in Bethlehem where they believe the birth took place. Very, there's a stone there and people come by to visit that spot. An interesting story is where that was built and that was actually part of Constantine's mother who was a believer when they took over Israel, she had these monuments built, these churches that were built on specific spots to, which were considered holy. And when they, when they came in, the Muslims came in to destroy most of those places. They came in with their horses into that place and they saw in the mosaic tiles pictures of the Magi. They didn't choose to destroy that particular place. Why? The Magi. The Magi who came from the East, who are the ones who confirm King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Save the spot so we have it today. Jesus was born in Bethlehem from a young girl and a young man who under the direction of God were fulfilling their destiny that God had chosen for them. And they followed through with it and God provided. Do you know what? What does God have for you? We often think, you know, these are nice little Bible stories, but that'll never happen to me. May I tell you something? Paul says, you're the workmanship of Jesus Christ. You're his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for a purpose. You're created for a purpose. And that purpose is to do the works of God, which he's already prepared in advance. Ephesians 2.10. Prepared in advance. Starting in Genesis, working all the way through Mary and Joseph. Before the foundation of the world began, it says in Ephesians, same same book, same church that he was writing to. You were chosen. God has a destiny for you, which he's already prepared in advance. So here's the question. If you knew that you're following the leading of God and could not fail, what are you willing to do? What are you willing to do? 
Here am I. Send me. God doesn't always call the ones who are already equipped. But he always equips the ones he calls. We have Gideon. Don Knotts. Leading the entire Israeli army of 300 men. <laughs> Starting with 30,000 and up with 300. Kind of a sad deal. But nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing God calls you to do is impossible for Him to do. What I find out is the most blessed times in my life is when God has done something I couldn't do. I know for a fact it wasn't me. There's no, no way in the world. Because God can do anything that he wants and he already has it already planned. You don't even have to figure it out. You just have to be submissive. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. But how? How are we going to live when there's only one meal left? Elijah says, don't worry about it. There's not enough there. How are we going to feed 5,000 men plus women and children with tuna fish sandwiches? We don't have enough. Don't worry about it. Nothing is impossible with God. It's already been assigned. All we have to do is be waiting and ready. <clears throat> That's powerful. That's how David, as a young child, remember, there, don't become a man until age 13. So when David faced Goliath, he was less than 13. Couldn't have been 10 years old. No wonder Goliath, this nine-foot giant, <clears throat> is going, what'd you send out this little Ronnie kid for? Of a sling in his hand. Send me, you're supposed to send me your mightiest warrior. This is him. You insult me. <laughs> the battle is the Lord's. That's what, that's what David says. For the battle is the Lord's. But nobody else wanted to go against Goliath because nobody else had the faith that God was in charge. God already has it all planned out. Trust in the Lord and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will then direct your paths. So quit thinking about it. Just be obedient and do. And we will be surprised what God will do. What God will do. And you will be thankful because you know it's God and not you. You will be blessed because you know it's God and not you.